Welcome, my friends. It's good to have you again. This is a continuation of our series, Earth's Final Countdown, which comes out of Unlocking Bible Prophecies with Cami. We're excited to be here with you. My name is Dr. Dwayne McKee. I'm president of Adventist World Radio. Thrilling things are happening around the world. We're looking at prophecy at the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel. This session now, we're going to find out why on earth do so many people go to church on Sunday? What is it about Sunday that makes it special? So stay tuned, and we're going to be back in just a moment. Earth's final countdown. What is going to happen before Jesus comes? We're studying that from God's Word. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, anything, just take your cell phone and text us at 224-222-0777. That's 224-222-0777. Or if you use WhatsApp, just put a plus one before that. Just a plus one and text us any question. We'll get right to you. By the way, if you're on this, well, I know you're on this YouTube channel, Unlocking Bible Prophecies, just subscribe. Go down there and subscribe to it. Click that button, that little bell. It'll go ping. <laughs> and, and then put like. Please put like that you like it. Our last presentation was A River Runs Through It. We, we'll bring that back into this, this session today, and you'll be thrilled to realize what the, what the memorials are of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the day that we worship God as creator. So let's, let's go right to the Bible. Remember, it's all about Jesus. If it weren't for that empty tomb, just outside the old city in Jerusalem, I wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be either. If it weren't for the promise that the, the, the angels said to the disciples as he was ascending up in the clouds, the same Jesus, will come in the same way as you see him go. Jesus said, remember his words, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Jesus, wow, it's going to be a rescue message when he, when he re, he's going to rescue you and me from this old ball of mud. He's coming back. Our next session, don't, don't miss this one, the world's greatest cover-up, exposed. You're going to be amazed as you look at the Bible and you see it was prophesied that the cover-up will be exposed, and it has been. We'll expose it. We'll show you just from God's Word on our next session. Let's pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that the tomb in Israel is empty. I thank you for the promise that Jesus is coming back. I thank you for the promise that the, the angel said to the disciples as they watched him ascend into heaven, this same Jesus shall so come in like manner. He's coming in the clouds to take us to the heavenly home that he's preparing for us now. Thank you for your love. Bless us now as we study from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, puzzle pieces, let's go back to some of those. Who should be baptized? Well, let's go through it. Remember from our last session, if you have never been baptized like Jesus, then you need to be baptized. If you have been baptized, but you have drifted away and you want to come back, then you need to be rebaptized. And finally, if you have learned new truth, then you can be rebaptized. Then again, let's go to some of the other puzzle pieces we have looked at before because it ties into what we're talking about on this sermon, this session, this presentation. Number one, the dragon. Remember who the dragon is from Revelation chapter 12? The dragon is... Satan. He is the devil. 
he made a devil out of himself, didn't he? The third of the angels rebelled and they were kicked out of heaven. So the dragon gave the beast, the beast is a world power, it's a world power that's also become a religious power. The dragon gave the beast his seat, the wages war against the saints, he receives a deadly wound, the deadly wound was healed, the world would wander after the beast, the beast would speak blasphemy, that means bad things, <laughs> blasphemy, claiming to be God, and all shall worship the beast. We know it's a religious power, this beast, this world power, and it's a political power because people worship it, and this power would endeavor, try to change the very law of God. Daniel seven twenty five. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, against God, and shall persecute the saints of the Most High. It's a persecuting power. And shall intend to change or try to change times and laws. The very law of God. Can you imagine? This power would attempt to change the very law of God. Wow, Satan is attacking Jesus again. He's been attacking Jesus since the war began in heaven, the civil war, and he was thrown out with a third of the angels uh, Revelation chapter 12, we've looked at that, we'll look at it again. It's amazing, he, he, and he tries, he attacks Jesus, the creator. Wow, our God who's, who died for us. It's amazing, just, just amazing. We'll be looking at that more and more as he attacks. Isn't it logical that Satan, the great deceiver, would attack the very law of God? Of course, he hates the law of God. Remember, God gave us his law, his 10 commandments that we follow. He wrote those laws with his own finger. Only two times in the Bible does God write with his own finger. One is the Ten Commandments there, uh, given them to Moses on Mount Sinai. And, and then there in Jerusalem, when Jesus bent down and started writing in the dust, the sins of the people, the men who had caught this woman in adultery, as we told you the other night. So twice in the Bible, God writes with his own finger. It's important. It's important when God writes something down. We should listen, shouldn't we? And this power would intend to change times and laws. That's what it says in Daniel 7, 25. Intent, that means try to, endeavor to. Did it change? Of course not. You, know, you can't change God's law. God says, I change not. He is God. <laughs> you can't change his law. So they would intend to or try to change it. Well, that's prophecy. Let's remember, we say time and time again in each one of these sessions, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Actually, this was the great cry of the Reformation. Martin Luther, John Calvin, and John Wesley, all the great reformers believed the Bible and the Bible only. The Bible and the Bible only. That's why we say if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Now let's go to the Bible and look at our topic for this session, a relic discovered in the book of Revelation. We have discovered it, and we're going to share it with you. You'll be amazed at it. But first, I want to take you on a, an experience to Rwanda. Rwanda, you remember they had the genocide a few years ago, and horrible things happened there. We were, not, we were there not that long ago, and we had a special event there with Adventist World Radio broadcasting all over the, all over the country. It was thrilling and exciting as we did that. Cammie was there. She was preaching. We, we have a little video clip I'd like to show you. I know you will enjoy this. Rwanda, where we had 100,000 baptisms. Can you imagine that? Let's go to the clip right now. In the very heart of Africa lies the nation of Rwanda. Despite a darkened past, 
A new light is beginning to dawn over this land of a thousand hills as a bold new initiative of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is being implemented in unprecedented ways. This is the story of total member involvement. In a country ravaged by pain a few years ago, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is bringing hope. This is one of the most exciting events that I've attended. East Africa is excited about Yemen. Here in Rwanda, we're, we're witnessing something that's unprecedented in the Adventist Church. In this whole country, people feel that God is out for something huge. This is total member involvement. Two thousand years ago, Jesus launched a program, uh, actually it's the Great Commission, and we all know it, Matthew 28, go and preach and teach and baptize and disciple. And because of that Great Commission, we're all excited and interested here in Rwanda about total member involvement. We have seen church members take off with this incredible idea of total member involvement. They have gotten so involved themselves. They have given cows away. They've given goats away. They've given sheep away. Literature distribution, Bible studies, health outreach, community services. They made banners, scarves, t-shirts, all kinds of things to promote TMI. The people who are members here take the time to invite their friends. The church leaders follow up with the people to make sure they're ready to be baptized. So it's really a team effort. Not only are the Rwandans involved in doing TMI, but the General Conference staff is excited and interested to be involved here and model what we are talking about back in Silver Springs, Maryland. The Lord wants to use everyone, pastors, lay people, everyone in this great effort. Church members have been energized if they have reached out to their friends and their neighbors, if they have reached out to people they work with in the fields or in offices. They've been energized and they're excited about reaching friends and neighbors for Jesus and bringing them to some of the TMI meetings. For a long time, the work has been in the hands of the pastors. And the lay people have been spectating, by and large. But now, everybody has a role to play. Everybody has somebody they can reach. Every church member now has understood that wherever he is, he'll be trying to reach one and bring one. There are over 2,200 evangelistic sites here in this beautiful but small country of Rwanda. And we're only two of those 2,000 plus sites. A few of those sites have young people from the United States, people from Europe. I am 12 years old and I preach here in Rwanda. I was so excited when, my, when I made my first call and hundreds of people came forward. It was very exciting. This is my first time preaching, doing anything like this. It, it is the most fulfilling experience that I have ever had. 
I rely on God, but here you really like rely on God to speak through you, to use you in any way possible, and it's limitless what He can do with a willing soul. Before I came on this mission trip, I was feeling very cold spiritually, like, okay, is this all to Christianity? But the first night I saw that God had a purpose on why I was there. God has really shown His love to me. I have seen that He is real because you see Him moving in the hearts of other people. And when you see the changes that are happening in their lives, you can't doubt that He can do the same for you. Every night, thousands of people are making decisions for Christ. These wonderful people are ready to be baptized and to join this great Advent movement. What we're witnessing right here on the shores of Lake Kivu is representative of what is happening all across this country. A hundred thousand baptisms, the most that's ever happened in the history of the Adventist Church. And the exciting thing is, this is only the beginning. This program is going to continue until Jesus will come again. This is so exciting what has happened here in Rwanda. But this is a model for the World Church. We don't want it to end here. It's up to you to make it happen in your local church, your local community, your local conference. You don't have to do some grand thing to be involved in TMI. It should be part of your everyday life. All of us have been given opportunities and we need to do what God has called us to do, to fulfill the mission that He has given to each one of us. What a time to be alive. What a time to be part of total member involvement. God bless each one of you as you engage with heaven and the power that the Lord will give you to carry this message to the very ends of this earth. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine a hundred thousand baptisms plus? Uh, we've been there before and after, and our radio stations are all over the the country now, broadcasting so people can. These towers are up. It's thrilling to reach masses of people around the world, telling them the truth as it is in the Bible, as it is in Jesus. Learning that Jesus is coming very soon. Now, our topic that we're centering on now is people are so confused around the world. Many people, many people go to church on different days of the week. Lots of Christians, as you know, go to church on Sunday. Well, which day? How do we know? Can you know for sure? Well, let's look at the Bible. If it's in the Bible, remember, I believe it. So we're going to look at the Bible. Revelation 1.10, the first text I want to turn to is right there in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 10. It says there, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That means the Lord has a day. He has a day. doesn't say if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> no, it just says the Lord has a day. It's the Lord's day. Well, which day is it? Let's go to Mark chapter 2 and verse 28. You can also look at Matthew 12, 8 or, or Luke 6, 5. But let's read the one in, in Mark 2, 28. They all say the same. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So the Lord's day is the Sabbath. Doesn't that make sense? Wow, the Lord's Day, the Sabbath. Well, there's still more. Which day is the Sabbath then? Well, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. That's the Ten Commandments, the, the part that God wrote with his own finger. And it says there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So 
The Lord's day is a Sabbath and God is saying we should keep it holy. But the seventh day, notice it says, continue on, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Wow, can you imagine that? The Lord's day is the Sabbath and it's the seventh day of the Lord your God. If you look at the, at the Bible, you'll find all through it, just look at it sometime, do a little research project and look at the days of the week. There are only two days, two days that have names. It is the preparation day, the day before the Sabbath, preparing for the Sabbath, and the Sabbath. And so the seventh day, it says, is the Sabbath. Remember, God created the world six days, and he rested the seventh day, the Sabbath. That's God. That's the Bible. That's what the Bible says, right? So here it is. The Lord has a day, Revelation 1.10. doesn't say which day. Next is, we saw in Mark 2.28, the Lord's day is the Sabbath. So the Lord's day in Revelation is the Sabbath, according to the words of Jesus. And then the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, Exodus 20. It kind of puts it all together, doesn't it? The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. My, isn't that wonderful? Here, let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Now, this is the reason why this is important. Again, back to the Ten Commandments. Because, or for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. That's why, that's why the seventh day is the Sabbath. It's a memorial of the fact that God created you and me. We're created in his image. And it says, and rest of the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. There's only one day that God has blessed and made it holy as a memorial of the fact that we're created in his image. We're not created in the image of a monkey or a tadpole. We're created in the image of God. God created Adam and Eve in his image, and they are parents, and so we're all created in the image of God. The Sabbath is a memorial of the fact that we are created. Isn't God good? Don't you love him? So every time we worship him on the Sabbath, we worship him as our creator. The Sabbath of the creator God in Genesis is the Lord's day in Revelation. That's what the Bible says. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator. Genesis 1.26 and 27, God says, Let us make man in our image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2.2, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. Wow, what, what an amazing God. And he rested the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Was he tired? Do you think God? No, God wasn't tired. He just spoke and it was done. He rested as an example for you and me that we can rest on that day, celebrating the fact that we are celebrating our creator. We're worshiping our creator. It's about worship. It's about worship. That's right. It's a memorial, a memorial of the fact that he is our creator is a seventh day Sabbath. That's what it says in Genesis. Then God, Genesis 2, 3, then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. To sanctify makes, means to make, make it holy, to set it apart for a holy use again. And so that's the holy day. Only one holy day out of seven every week, we're reminded that God is our creator. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, we want to worship as our creator because Genesis 2, 3 continued because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. 
Was he tired again? No, of course not. But he gave us the example. God, Jesus gives us an example. So the Sabbath is God's love gift to the entire human race. God gave us two special institutions from the Garden of Eden, and that is the Sabbath and marriage. But Satan has brutally, as you know, attacked both of them. Remember, we talked about God created Adam, and Adam was supposed to read in the Bible there in Genesis 1 and 2. He, he was given the, the task of naming all the animals, and he had a wonderful time doing that. Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. Elephant, Mr. and Mrs. Tiger. And I'm sure Adam began to wonder, uh, God, uh, I, I have a question. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs., what about me? <laughs> I'm by myself. And God says on Friday, the sixth day, I'll fix that. And so he put Adam to sleep and he took a bone, it says, out of his side because he wanted to give an illustration of the fact that husband and wife should stand side to side and be one. And so he created Eve. And when Adam woke up from after the deep sleep, he looked up and he saw Eve. He began to smile and he named her woman, but he didn't say woman. He said, woman, I'm sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. Beautiful Eve. He was so excited, but Eve made a mistake. She wandered away, and we know the, the story, and Satan tempted her, the serpent. And they were banned from the Garden of Eden, and God gave him a promise that he would send his son. And Jesus, when he came and died on Calvary, was a fulfillment of that promise because the wages of sin is death. Jesus died the death that I deserve. That's the gift of salvation that we have talked about. I deserve to die, but Jesus died in my place and your place because we have all sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus, while we were still sinners, died for us when we accept the gift of salvation. He forgives us all of our sins, 1 John 1, 9, and then he gives us the power to walk in the newness of life to become his sons and daughters. What a God. What a God. Yes, Jesus loves you so much. He died just for you. There's a story in the Bible Jesus tells about a man who had a hundred sheep and one of the sheep got lost and, and he left the, 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 the 99 and went in search of that one lost sheep. That means, my friend, that means very clearly had you been the only one that had sinned, Jesus would have come and died just for you. Unbelievable. I cannot believe it. I remember one time we were in the city of Goma driving to the airport, six o'clock in the morning, and I saw her. She was dead, laying on the sidewalk. People were walking around her. Came back two hours later from the airport, and she was still laying there, dead. Flies were on her face now. People were walking around her, and I got tears in my eyes. And I know God in heaven, when that happens, tears come to his eyes because he's our father. He loves us so much. He died for us that we might live. Don't you love him? Wow. Let me take you to a, a story, an experience in St. Petersburg, Russia. Yeah. We had a series of meetings there and we had a large baptism. Over 400, I think 405 were baptized. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? But here in this communist hall, when the walls came down, we were there in St. Petersburg, had a series of meetings, and that, that's Sabbath. There was a, a marriage, Valdim and Marita. I went to that marriage, and they were married. I said some nice words and brought them to the meeting that night, introduced them. And I thought to myself, this is Sabbath. This is Sabbath. God says to honor it. He has made it holy. It's a special day. And Satan has attacked the Sabbath. 
to change the very law of God. He's attacked marriage. Those two institutions that come out of the Garden of Eden, Satan has attacked them. And that's why we see so many divorces. Around the world, maybe one in every two marriages fail. And then there are many others who just live together and never get married, and that fails too. Satan is continually attacking the home. It's not God's plan, folks. It's not God's plan that Satan should attack the Sabbath. And that's what we're talking about. On that same Sabbath, we had a huge baptism, as I mentioned. There in a lake in St. Petersburg, Russia. It's wonderful when you think of the memorial to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is baptism. The memorial to the fact that you are created, I am created, in Jesus' image, in God's image, is a Sabbath. What a God. What a God. He loves us so much, doesn't he? Now, what day did Jesus die on? Sometimes people ask, how can we know for sure? Well, my friend, Defterios <laughs> in Lubumbashi, Zaire, <laughs> the Congo. I went down to see him one day and I said, Defterios, today is Friday. What do you call that in Greek, in your language? And he told me. I said, well, what does it mean? <laughs> I knew. I was just asking him. He said, it means the preparation day. And I said, preparation for what? He looked around and said, I don't know. That's just what it means. <laughs> it's the preparation day. That's the day that Jesus died on. Preparation for the Sabbath, because the Sabbath was coming. What day did Jesus die on? Well, Luke chapter 23, verse 54. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. The Sabbath was coming, the sun was setting. The Sabbath was coming, the Sabbath drew on. The preparation day prepare for the Sabbath. That's the day that Jesus died on. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. What commandment? The Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment. That's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's where Jesus was. He was in the tomb. The disciples were resting that day. Jesus was in the tomb asleep that day as he had been crucified. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 now. Continue on. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus. Aren't you glad? I'm so excited. The body of Jesus was not there. He had risen. Remember the story, you know, Mary, she ran back. She was the first one there. She ran back to the, where the men were. It's funny how the women were the first ones at the tomb. The men were hiding up in the upper room. They were scared because Jesus had been crucified. They found them and they said, come and see the tomb, it's empty. And John and Peter ran back. John was younger, he got there first. And Peter came in and looked around and saw, I'm sure he said, he's alive, he's alive. My sins are forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. All the tombs of the great religious leaders around the world, all those tombs, as I said before, are occupied. The tomb of Jesus in Israel is empty. He's alive. He's alive. And he promised to come back to take us to the heavenly home. He's preparing for us now. What a God. So here are the order events. Friday, the preparation day. And now when the evening had come, Luke 15, 20, 42 and 43. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, 
Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. So that was the preparation day. Jesus was in the tomb then on Saturday, the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and then Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus was resurrected. So you had the preparation day, Friday, the Sabbath day is Saturday, the seventh day, first day of the week, Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus takes place. Isn't that amazing? How could the attempted change of the fourth commandment then happen? How could that happen? How did, what did Satan do? But Satan's pretty sly, you know. He, he was so sly, he tricked a third of the angels in heaven. And there was civil war in heaven. Angel fought against angel. And a third were cast out. Jesus and two-thirds of the angels won the battle. But still, the residue of that war continues on and on, that civil war. Civil war is the worst thing. The war in the, in the states. The civil war is terrible. Wife and husband on different sides sometimes. Children and husband and children and brothers. Brothers on different sides. Terrible civil war is. Angel fought against angel. I'm so thankful there was victory, victory in Jesus. So how could the 10th change of the fourth commandment be changed? Well, it's prophecy. God told us it would happen. Notice here in the Catholic mirror, and I'm, I'm going to quote some things from, from the general church, the church at that time, history, and this is in no way to downgrade any particular religion. But we're going back and we're looking at history. By the way, we were missionaries, as I mentioned, in Africa for a number of years, for 10 years, and Many times I go on long safaris, sometimes one, two, three weeks. Kathy would, she would bake all this bread and she would make zoibok and, and of course it would mold after a couple of days. And, and I would take care of myself and feed myself as, uh, and we'd stay in these wonderful ha homes. Our people would, would go outside the hut and let me stay. Have, I can't imagine. Can you imagine a guest coming and you move out of your house and say, take my house. That's what they did. Gracious people. Wonderful people. But sometimes I would say to my friends, are there any Catholic missions around? If there were, I would stay there because they had nice beds. They had mosquito nets. And I didn't have to prepare everything. It was, it was very comfortable. I found out, however, that the priest, sometimes you would just have a priest there from Belgium or someplace who was in charge. They were good people, but they weren't that good at cooks. <laughs> but if I could find a place where there were several Catholic nuns, I was happy because they cooked very well and they took care of me very nicely. So that, that was a, a good experience. So I have very fond memories of Catholic people, wonderful people. Many will be in heaven. So this is not about those people. This is history. We're looking at what happened. Notice here in the Catholic mirror, the Catholic Church for over 1,000 years before the existence of a Protestant, by the virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. That's what history tells us. Wow. Bible or tradition was the question of the Council of Trent. This is the longest church council that's ever been held. It, it went on for 18 years, and the discussion was, is tradition more important than the Bible, or the Bible more important? And so, remember, this is coming out of the Reformation, and that's when the Reformers were saying the Bible and the Bible only. Well, sola scriptura, sola fide, faith by faith in Jesus only. And so, sola scriptura, and so they had this big discussion, which is more important, tradition or the Bible, tradition or the Bible. And it went back and forth 18 years. Finally, 
at the last opening of the 18th of January, 1562, all hesitation was set aside. Count, this is the canon and tradition of Holtzman, page 263. The Archbishop of Reggio made a speech in which he openly declared that tradition stood above Scripture. The authority of the church could therefore not be bound to the authority of the Scriptures because the church had changed the Sabbath into Sunday. That was the proof. Amazing. Not by a command of Christ, but by its own authority. Can you imagine changing the very law of God? But it was prophesied. Satan is behind all this. He's the one responsible one. I want to show you this picture. That's my grandson, Lance. Isn't he beautiful? Just perfect. You see, God, when he creates things, he creates them perfect. He is our creator. We worship him on the Sabbath because it reminds us every week that he is our creator. We're created in his image. Wow. Now let's go back again to the Catholic convert catechism and read there again. Have you any other way of proving that the church has the power to institute festivals and precepts? Had she not power, uh, such power, she could not have done what she did that all modern religionists agree with her. She could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, the seventh day, a change for which there is no scriptural authority, a doctrinal catechism by Stephen Keeman, page 174. There it is. It, it, it's there. Daniel 7, 25, and they shall intend or think to change times and laws. I try to change the law of God. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? Can you change God's law? Of course not. Of course not. I want to show you a picture of an elephant. You know, we lived in Africa for a long time, so we got to go to a lot of game parks. And it was fun to see all the different games, the elephants and the giraffes and the zebras and the lions, etc. And here's a nice, beautiful picture of, a, of an elephant. See his long trunk? <sighs> wow, he's a beautiful elephant, isn't it? You say, oh, no, 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 no. That's <coughs> Dr. McKee, you're all mixed up. You know what you're talking about. No, no, it's an elephant. No, no. <laughs> don't you see? You can call a zebra. Yes, I know it's a zebra. You can call a zebra an elephant as long as you want to, but it's still a zebra. You can call Sunday the Sabbath as long as you want to, but Sunday's still Sunday, the first day of the week, and the Sabbath is the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, according to the commandments. Wow. What does history tell us about this issue? Well, let's look at it. How did the change from Sabbath to Sunday actually occur? Roman Emperor Constantine passed the first Sunday law in AD 321. And here it is. On the vulnerable day of the sun, let all the magistrates and people residing in the cities rest and let all the worships shops be closed. Notice it said the vulnerable day of the sun. Sunday comes from worshiping the sun. These are pagans. And they worship the sun on Sunday. God is a fertility. Wow. In the days of Constantine, the church and state united. They united. And so the Constantine did it. The church accepted it and instituted it. And so that's why we have so many people go to the church on the first day of the week instead of on the Sabbath, according to the commandment. Kathy and I were in Arizona. It was a Sunday afternoon. The television was on, and, and all of a sudden, I, I looked at the TV, and A&E had the special on Constantine. I watched it, and it talked about the first Christian emperor 
who actually brought his paganism into the church. And it says there that he is the one who changed the Sabbath and the commandments, the Sabbath, to the first day of the week, the day of the sun. He brought his paganism into the church. Sun worship. So how did this all happen? Well, you had a whole group of pagans, heathens, <laughs> who didn't know God under Constantine's rule. They worshiped the sun. And they thought the sun god would bring fertility to their crops when rain and fertility. And they were, they were sun worshipers. On, on Constantine's coins, you have a sun god on the backside of it. Then you had the Christians in the empire who were growing very fast. This is in the 300 years after the time of Christ, growing very fast, and they were worshiping God as the creator on the Sabbath, according to the fourth commandment. So trying to bring some kind of peace in his empire, he said to the Christians, why don't you come and worship Jesus on the resurrection day on Sunday, and the pagans can continue to worship on Sunday, the sun God. And so it became law. And then the church adopted that. It's kind of amazing when you think of it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we have a whole world, many people in the world, uh, who are worshiping on the wrong day, not because they know any difference. It's just become a tradition to them because mom and dad did, grandpa and grandma did. It's just a tradition. Let's go now back to the Bible. Revelation 13, 2, the dragon. Who's the dragon? The dragon is Satan. Gave him, the beast, this power, this this this. This power that was his is like a political power and a religious power. He gave his power, his throne, and great authority. And then Revelation 13, 13 to 4, and all the world marveled. We see that, don't we? And followed the beast, this religious power. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast. Amazing. That's what the Bible says, Revelation 13. Now, Revelation 12, 9 Again, it tells us, we've referred to this text before, the whole chapter is about the war in heaven and who God's people are. So the dragon, that great dragon, that Satan, was cast out, that old serpent, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast out of heaven. He is the dragon. Same with a loud voice, Revelation 14, 7 Loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. Notice what it says, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So you see a contrast here. Those who worship the beast, those who worship God, those who worship the beast on Sunday, the day of the sun, those who worship God on Sabbath, the day of creation, following the Ten Commandments. Notice it's about worship. He who made, he who made, he is the creator. We worship the creator. Exodus twenty eleven. It says, therefore, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. We worship God according to the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, and Exodus 20, 11, because he is the creator. He made. He made you. He made me. In Revelation 14, this is the first angel's message. The last time, the last part of the world, the last great thing to happen is that God's people, this three angels' messages will worship God, the Creator. It comes down to the fact that we worship Him. We worship Him who made the earth and the sea and the springs of water. We worship the Creator. Amazing, isn't it? It's a call to worship the Creator. 
Genesis 1, 26 and 27 again. Let us make man in our image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We didn't evolve out of some tadpole. You know, the probability of that happening is absolutely impossible. Evolutionists have had to admit that. It's impossible for a spark of life just to happen and all of a sudden. Can you imagine the complication just of the human eye? There are millions of little cells and they all had to work together so you can see, so I can see. Our bodies are wonderfully, wonderfully made by the Creator. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image and the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. He is our creator. He is our creator. And he is our savior. He is our savior. Wow, there are two times mine. Remember, I, I told you this little story and Kathy sang that beautiful song. If you didn't see it, please go back and watch the session before this. You got to see that song. Two times mine. Little boy, he, uh, he and his daddy, they built this boat and he went out to the lake and he was sailing the boat and sailing the boat. One day the wind came up and blew it to the other side of the lake and broke the string and he ran around to the other side of the lake and he, he looked for his boat and it wasn't there. The next day he was in town, he walked by the shop and he saw his boat in the window. He went inside and he said, sir, excuse me, <clears throat> that's my boat. <laughs> the man said, no, it's not. It's my boat. No, I'm, I'm, you don't understand. My daddy and I made the boat. It's my boat. I lost it yesterday. And the shop owner said, you don't understand. Yesterday, I bought the boat. And I tell you what, if you'll give me the $5 I paid for the boat, you can have it. Oh, he was so upset. He went home and he looked at his little piggy bank. He opened it up and he found $5. He went back and he laid it down on the counter and said, I want to buy my boat. <laughs> the shop owner said, okay, take your boat. <laughs> He was walking home and he said, you're two times mine. As he looked down at the boat, you're two times mine. I made you and I bought you. Jesus says, my friends, you are two times mine. I made you and I bought you. You're two times mine. The memorial to the fact that God is our creator is a Sabbath. The memorial to the fact that he is our savior. It is baptism. It is baptism. So when we're baptized in Jesus, some of you are thinking about being baptized. When we're baptized in Jesus, you're accepting that gift of salvation. You're making that about faith. You're accepting Jesus. The memorial to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, every time someone's baptized, is baptism. The memorial that you're created in God's image, Exodus chapter 20, is the Sabbath. The memorial to baptism, Romans 6, the Bible says so very clearly, is baptism, is the memorial of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The memorial that you created in his image, I'll say it again, Exodus 20, is a Sabbath, is a Sabbath. So what would Jesus do? Well, let's ask, what did Jesus do? Luke chapter 4, verse 16, so he came to Nazareth. Remember, I told you a story about being in Nazareth. I'll tell you more stories about being in Nazareth with Adventist World Radio. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. On Sabbath, he went to church. On Sabbath, the Creator worshipped in church when he was here. Jesus worshipped on the Sabbath. Can, can we really be sure which day is the Sabbath day? Well, look at the Bible, look at astronomy, look at language, look at history. Also, you could ask the 14.6 million Jews. <laughs> They're not mixed up. They go to... They go to the synagogue still. 
not accepting Jesus, unfortunately, but they still go to the synagogue on the seventh day of the week on the Sabbath. In the Bible, the Ten Commandments makes it very clear. Very, very clear. The seventh day is a Sabbath. That is part of the fourth commandment. And then some people have said, well, maybe some time has been lost. And so we've gone to the Royal Greenwich Observatory in England. And it has been, actually, October 1582. Because of the leap year, they put the leap year in now. And so it works well. It doesn't get lost. We had lost some days there, as you can see. 11 days. And so a Thursday, the 4th of October, and the next day was Friday, the 15th of October. We changed the calendar there, but notice the weekly cycle did not change. The weekly cycle did not change. H have you ever thought, isn't it rather interesting that we have scientific reasons for all the different time periods? Uh, uh, what I mean by that is like the, 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 the month. Why do we have the month, the 30 days in the month? Well, you say it's, it has to do with the moon and it goes around the earth and it takes about 30 days for a month. There's a scientific reason. Uh, what about the year? Well, you say because we, we have the, 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 the it looks like the, the sun is going around the earth, but actually the, the earth is going around the sun. <laughs> it takes 365 days. That's a scientific reason. And then, what, the, what about the day, the hour? Well, because we're spinning. I, I don't get dizzy, do you? We're not spinning that fast, I guess. So we're turning, the earth is turning, and it takes about 24 hours. And it looks like the sun is rising, the sun is setting. Well, it really isn't. We're turning. It's a scientific reason. Well, what is the scientific reason for seven days in the week? Have you ever wondered? There's no scientific reason. Because God says so. He says, every seventh day, you're to worship me. The memorial of the fact that we are created in his image is the Sabbath. And every seventh day, we worship God as our creator. Wow. Languages. In over 140 languages of the world, the seventh day of the Sabbath is Sabbath. Notice, here's a, here's a few of them. <laughs> it's amazing. Sabaton, Sabado, Sabado, uh, Samni. It, it goes on and on. It's all connected to the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. That's the meaning of it. Dictionaries. Well, it says there, the seventh day, Saturday, is the seventh day of the week. That's clear, isn't it? We know that. We, we have our calendars. Remember we said, <laughs> if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Don't be misled. Don't be misled. Take the Bible as it reads. You won't be misled. You'll know the truth, the truth as it is in Jesus. From Eden to Eden, we will be worshiping God on the Sabbath. Here's what it says, Isaiah 66, 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And heaven will go and worship God, the Creator, Every seventh-day Sabbath, that's what the Bible says. If we're going to be doing it in heaven, maybe just to get in practice, we should start doing it now, don't you think? Don't you think you ought to do what Jesus says, what the Bible says? Wow, so important. Revelation 13, 13 to 4. And all the world, yeah, we don't want to be in the world, do we? No, 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 we don't want to be with, with the world. We don't want to follow what the world does. We want to follow what God says. Revelation 13, 3 and 4, And all the world marveled and followed the beast, so they worshipped the dragon, 
and gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast. Wow, worship, it's about worship, isn't it? Don't worship Satan. Don't worship, worship Jesus, our Creator. Malachi 3.6 tells us, it's clear, for I am the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change. Now, sure, the church can say, we changed it, we did all this, or whatever. Tradition can say it. No, no, God doesn't change. God doesn't change. I change not. Creator and Savior, we worship in the memorial to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus his baptism. He's our Savior. The memorial to the fact that we're created in His image <laughs> is the Sabbath. What God makes holy? Well, God's name is holy. We know that. The Bible is holy. We know that. The Sabbath is holy. We know that. Tithe is holy. We'll see that later. Our body is holy. We honor what God makes holy. We receive God's blessings. So when we honor what God makes holy, we receive His blessings. I want His blessings. He says he'll open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that you won't be able to receive. Don't you love him? Don't you love him, my friends? Jesus died just for you. Had you been the only one on the face of the earth, he would have died just for you. Don't you want to say, Lord, yes, Lord, raise your hand just now, or you raise it up in your heart as you're watching and say, I want to do what you asked me to do. I'll follow you. I'll do anything you ask me to do. Remember, text that number, 224 222 0777. Text that number and say, pray for me. I want to follow Jesus. Or just say, pray for me, or I have a special request. Text us, put a plus one if you want to WhatsApp it, 224-222-0777. And say, yes, Lord, I want to follow Jesus. Just so you don't forget, we'll put it on the screen again. Take a, take a little snapshot of that or a screenshot so you can remember that phone number. Shall we pray together? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for all those that are making decisions for you. Thank, thank you for those who want to be baptized like Jesus. Thank you for the decisions we have made that we want to follow Jesus and honor Him as our Creator, honor Him as our Savior. Thank you for giving us the Sabbath to, to remind us that we're created in, in your image. And Father, thank you so much for baptism to remind us that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Thank you for the blessed hope that we have that Jesus is coming back soon. In his name I pray, amen.